This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air. Hi. I was super cheerful of me. Hi. Was, how dare you? No. How dare you be an optimist in this time of strife? According to my brother, I'm not just an optimist. I am an optimist who does not live in the reality. So none of the normal rules apply. I know a few people like that. Yeah, that's why he thinks I am. Welcome to A Study in Literacy. I'm Luke. I go by he, him. I am Jill. I go by she, her. That was our intro, apparently. We uh, were sponsored. I was going to say we're studied by. <laughs> well, Danny I don't know, maybe they studies do. us. They might. They might study us and go, hmm, are these people worth it? <laughs> Did we really sponsor these guys for a whole 12 months? Maybe we're born with it. Maybe we're study lean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Wardini Books, for sponsoring us. Thank you, Wardini, for giving us your support over this long year. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's been kind of weird whenever I talked about the show, when I'll be like, oh, yeah, and we're sponsored by... It felt weird to say. Yeah. That we, because I only ever hear about sponsorships from YouTube channels, other yeah. podcasts and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, we're just a little... Yeah, and they're just, just like a little bookshop. And <laughs> I like We're that. a little, little book show sponsored by a little bookshop. <laughs> and both are amazing. And both are good. Yeah. Um, speaking of little, little bookshops, I'm looking at going and having a look into the Little Red Bookshop here in Hastings. Ooh. In the next couple of weeks. Yeah, looking I, for anything in particular. Uh, I kind of want to go looking for some Ian e. M. Banks yep. books because that, yep. that's the guy who did the culture series. We yes, talked about yeah. um, Accession last episode. Yeah, and the other one that I thought sounded better. Uh, the Player of Games. Yes, mm, that yeah. sounded so much better. Yeah. But in terms of in terms of sci-fi stuff, um, did you did you know much about the Foundation series? No, because that's that's the one being added. Adaptated. Adapted. I mean, I can't, like, there are so many words that are like that, that are different Adapted, between. Adap- adaptation, yep. Yeah, and it's like, they should sound the same. And I, and I kind of want to talk, wanted to talk about the whole thing about the foundation, because I learned this secondhand, but from a very informative source, um, a colleague of mine who's read all of this stuff, he's super into it. And because I said to him, what is the foundation? What, what actually is it in the context of the world? Hmm. And for anyone who likes, um, who likes British actors, uh, the guy playing the main character, I can't remember what his name is, he's like a professor or a doctor. And the foundation is kind of like a data bank that this scientist, um, he, you know, galactic mm-hmm. empire, that sort of thing. Not Star Wars, of course. So, because it, it was originally Asimov, I believe. And he developed kind of like um, being able to see into the future, yep. but through science. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to have a quick uh, look. A on, quick squiz. On, uh, to see, because the guy who plays... Um, this main guy, I'm very, very fond of him. He is a recognisable British um, actor. Okay. He's in a lot of stuff. Uh, he Jared Harris as Harry Selden, H-A-R-I Selden, because, of course, yep. sci-fi names don't ever get spelled 
the nope. <laughs> the normal way. I know, and sometimes you sound out a sci-fi or a fantasy name, yeah. and you're like, oh, if only they had written it normally, <laughs> I could pronounce it. But Jared Harris, he's been in. He played Moriarty in the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. Uh-huh. If you've seen that. Um, he was in Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Okay. Uh, he was on Mad Men. He's mm-hmm. been on all sorts of stuff. He was in um, Fringe. Oh, yeah. That that wacky sci-fi show. Uh, and so what he's basically done, I think they called it like Psycho, psycho Something. And it's a way to psychologically or psionically learn the future. And he's discerned this empire's going to fall. That's... Actually, a fascinating idea of mm. how to see the future is like not like the standard yeah, way we think of you know like mystics or whatever. It's like not mystics; it's all science. Yeah, That's it's all philosophy and science. And the story of the foundation is that um, the empire is going to fall, and he gets labelled. I don't think he he's labelled a traitor, but everyone's like, "You're insane! What are you talking about? You know, this is the greatest empire that's ever been." And so he sets up these foundations, or the foundation, mm. which is sort of like a Noah's Ark. Yep. Where he saves, you know, to a very animal yep. and all that sort of stuff, so that. Uh, when because he has looked into the future mm. and he said, if we have this thing, this big we'll foundation, okay. then it's still going to fall, but it's going to be a lot less time yep. to rebuild. Yep. So that's fascinating. Yeah. So if you didn't weren't interested in foundation before, because I was kind of interested, I went, oh, okay, well it's a sci-fi show, and then I learned that. I thought, Ooh, I know okay. it just adds a whole other. So there's a bit, bit of like there's a bit of like apocalyptic visions going on. Yep, and you can tell that um, based on that, there's going to be a lot of probably exploration of hubris. Yep, of these people in the empire going, "Now nah, we'll be fine." What are you talking about? I mean, that would be a bit like if somebody said to us in modern time, like now times, that the, the now times, the now times, <laughs> that's a new definition for modern. Yep, is now. Yep. Um, if somebody said to us, "The Western world as you know it is going to collapse." Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like Africa and that are going to take over. We'll all sit and go, you're nuts. Well, like- there's, there are, I think it was back in the mid 2000s, even the, like the 90s and mm. 80s, they would say, like, oh, the banks are too big to fail. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> but you, no, they still can. Come on. They, they can still fail. You know, how many times have the banks been bailed out in the US yeah. by the government because they were failing? And how many governments have borrowed money because paying it back is just not. Something that is possible at the moment because the people right. will rise up against them with all the taxes, especially with the with the vast amounts of money that do that does get spent. You know, the whole economy yeah. is all. My brain, all it all it thinks is when you hear that a government has borrowed more money. So where the hell do they borrow it from? Like, who <laughs> is right. sitting there going, oh, "I've got twenty billion dollars"? All of this money. Would you like some? Yeah, that's right. And I imagine that not all of it, all of it is liquid. It's you know, goods I'm, and exports, and yeah. there will be agreements where yes. over the course of the next twenty years, you're going to give us favorable trade and that sort of thing. Yeah, and a whole bunch of the money's not actually real money anyway. It's all just. A I mean, money, on the money only has value because we say it does, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, but you know. We live in a society, et cetera, et cetera. That, you know, I mean, we need a way to pay for goods and exchange items. Yeah, you know, supply and demand is a pretty universal yeah. thing. Even before there was money, there was bartering. Yeah. People like, wanted something. I was like, okay, well, I yeah. want something in exchange. They'll swap like a goat for some seeds. Or yeah. I'm totally thinking Jack and the Beanstalk right now. <laughs> 
Um, but, you know, that sort of thing, it's been going on for decades. Maybe that's centuries. what Jack and the Beanstalk was all about. It was a warning against capitalism. <laughs> Pretty sure it was. I think it was a warning against an unfair trade. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So I've got, I've got a cool little note from uh, a friend of mine, Lee. Hi, uh, Lee. Hi, Lee. Uh, turns out, uh, uh, enjoyer of the show. <laughs> And I posted just today, because I'm bad at this, I'm a couple of days late, <laughs> I posted, hey, new episode is up, where we talked, uh, last episode we talked about uh, the origin of a dark and stormy night, and there was yes. Snoopy, and there was, um, there was uh, Wilbur. There was a bunch. Uh, yeah, we talked about a lot of cool stuff last yep. time. Um, and I posted it, and for them, uh, it's it was 3 a.m., <laughs> <laughs> And they were still awake. And they said, I don't need sleep. i got to listen to this. 3 a.m., I've got podcasts to listen to. That's awesome. <laughs> so we've got a lot of dedication. Yeah, I, I like that we trump sleep at 3 a.m. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's how the world should be. It's, well, sleep. I wish that we didn't need to sleep. Then imagine how productive people would be. Imagine how many... I wouldn't be productive. I'd read. Imagine how many well, yeah. books well, I could productive. read yeah, if you're I learning, didn't need you're to absorbing, sleep. Absorbing information. I'd be living in fantasy worlds. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I want to be a robot, basically. That's what I'm saying. I want... <laughs> no, I want to be a human that just doesn't sleep, but still needs to eat because I do like eating. Yeah. So I don't want to get rid of that <laughs> bad habit that I've got. So you're, you've been a little bit busy over last weekend. You went yes. you went away. We went away. So me and my friend day-tripped to Fielding, which from Hawke's Bay is just over two hours. Yep. We did stop a few times, but, you know, just over a couple of hours. And we went to the Fielding Christmas Market, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, if anyone remembers this time next year and it's happening, I would highly recommend you go. And I was doing... Super amazing at sticking to my budget. Well, that's a lie. I had slightly gone over my budget, but I was doing pretty good. Okay, what had you gotten um, before this point that you were I at? I did what I do at markets and I buy food. <gasps> so I bought some beer sticks, which oh, made us yeah. laugh really hard because the lady that makes them lives in Hastings and we drove <laughs> two and a quarter of hours so I could buy some beer sticks <laughs> from Hastings. Did, did you at least learn where she was here in Hastings? Yes, she's at the farmer's market can, every Sunday, yep. so... You're heading over that way. There you go. Uh, she also makes gluten-free black pudding, which I'm quite excited about. Interesting. Um, they didn't have any gluten-free black pudding at the market because her husband made it and he used the recipe that put rye in it, not right. realising that she doesn't do that anymore so she can cater to gluten-free people. Mm. Um, and I brought some fudge. Cool. Fudge uh, is good. Fudge is good. I brought a keyring and a calendar from the Manawatu Alley Cat Trust, who rescue cats. Oh, oh my God, wonderful. they're so cute. Um, so all the pictures of the cats in the calendar come with little stories about the cat. <laughs> and my favourite one, the cutest one, is not up for adoption because he likes being an alley cat. So mm-hmm. you can go to the alley that he lives in and you can feed him there and you can pet him and stuff. But he refuses to be taken home, which I kind of like. Good old independent Mr. Alley Cat. Yep. Um, and then we kept wandering around and we got to a stall that had books on it. And it was the Underground Bookstand, or Underground Bookstore, they're called. How far down did you go? I went really far down. <laughs> like down the rabbit super hole. Super far down. So you were at the limits of your budget and then you <laughs> found the bookstore. And then I found the bookstore uh-huh. and I spent way more money uh-huh. than I should. Are we talking triple digits? Almost. Oh, no. 
But the books were cheaper at the stall than they would have been if I'd bought them off the website. Mm-hmm. That was my justification. So the the underground bookstore, is that just what they were calling or is this an actual that's franchise? What, that's that... what it's actually called okay. online. Their website is theundergroundbookstore.nz. Okay. And it is a collective of independently published authors who live in and around Wellington region. Uh-huh. All their books are professionally written and produced to the highest standard and they've got a proper printer and sponsor and stuff. They just decided to cut out the middleman being the bookshop. Mm-hmm. And they wondered how it would go if they could set their own book price, right. keep majority of the profit, except for they have to pay the publisher, and sell their own books. So all of the books are independently and locally written yes. and published. Yes. Wow. I know, right? Or so, domestically, I guess, because you can probably get from all around yeah, New Zealand. Probably. So I've got a blurb from them. They sent me a welcome when I signed up to their email. So I thought I'd just read it here. So this story, they are a group of five who decided in 2019 to get out there and meet our readers face to face. It was a bold move and took some organising. They leased a stall at a craft market on Wellington's waterfront and began the learning process, how to sell your own books. They say it's been challenging and fun. The craft market closed at the beginning of 2020, but they'd got their momentum up and they just began moving to other markets. And so they have grown in number. They now have over 55 books and 20 authors. And the authors are the ones that run the stalls. They take turns. Oh. Yeah. And so you can find them at a physical market. They're not yet coming to Hawke's Bay. Okay. But when I talked to them, they said if there was the interest there, they would start coming. Well, so Hawke's Bay people, if you go on to their website and order books, they might go, hey, look, there's a few Hawke's Bay people. That's right. um, they're also on Facebook and Instagram, and they are amazing. Like, So I was just randomly talking to them and picked up a book. And I decided to buy it. This is like the third book I was buying. Right. And so you're already there with a big stack of I'd already picked up two and purely because the lady I was talking to, I think her name was Amanda, but I could be wrong. Um, I was looking at the cover and I was like, oh, and I was humming and hiring because it was two in a series, mm-hmm. but the first two in a trilogy. And I was like, oh, do I buy both at the same time? And she's like, they're really good. And I was like, am I going to want the second one as soon as I finish the first? And she's like, yes, yes, you will. <laughs> so I've got books one and two. Right. Um, and then the next book I picked up, Looked quite intriguing, and apparently it's like a dystopian fantasy book. And mm-hmm. she's explaining it to me, and it sounded amazing. I was like, "Oh my god, I have to have this one!" She goes, "Oh, that lady, there's the author. Do you want her to sign it?" I'm like, "Oh, that's yeah. so cool!" So that one is signed. It says, "To Jilly, be safe and happy," awesome. which I can do. And then as I was about to pay, I was just like, oh, no, I'll just get this one as well. So I chucked another one on the pile. It's, it's like when you're at the supermarket and you see the M&Ms next to you and you go, oh, just yeah, grab that just as well. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, so I've got, I thought it was quite good. I got three adult books and one young adult book, okay. which is quite good. Normally I tend to lean towards young adult books because the covers right. look better. But mm-hmm. oh, my God, the covers are gorgeous on the trilogy, the two of the trilogy mm. one. And it coincides really nicely with, so just after buying these books, I went, we had lunch and I went on Instagram and one of the book clubs that I belong to, there's a different challenge every month. And the challenge for December is to read a book by an author with your name. And these books oh. were written by a Jillian. So I was like, I just put the, brought the book I have to read for book club. Cool. So that's exciting. Yeah, and so. you've got a little story behind it, buying the book. I know, yeah. and so it's exciting because if you fall in love with an author or something, and you go to the different markets, you never know they might yeah. be manning the store one day, and you That's can right. tell them. 
Yeah, and they also said at the bottom of the email, they love getting reviews and hearing what you think of books. And I feel like your review or your what you thought of the book would be more likely to get to an author in this instance. I agree, yeah, yeah. Than some of the big authors where you just say, I don't even know if they yeah, read my message. I I always wonder, because you've got things like Goodreads and things yeah. like that, and I think most of these reviews, they're not for the author. They, no. This is for other readers, other readers who are looking at it. But I wonder how many authors do go, go in. hunting through. Because I've heard a lot of personalities online, they say, they say it's a terrible idea. Once you get to a certain yeah. level of... No one, you don't want to go looking at comments on the yep. internet because... <laughs> one of the authors, the one, the Gillian one, I was reading her bio on the website. Right. And uh, she actually says, like they say, one of the questions I ask is, do you read your own reviews? If not, why not kind of thing? Or if yes, why or something? And she said, yes, she does. Right. And she knows that no book ever in the history of the world has ever received only good reviews. Yep. They've all had critics. And it's like, yeah, they have, like... Whether it's at the time or later on down the track, like there's always going to be someone who doesn't like your work. Whatever your favorite thing this is, the thing I can't remember where I heard it, but it's it it, it communicates exactly what um th- what the reality is. You know, people say, "Oh, you know, it's so bleak." It's like, yeah. well, this is how it works, and it yep. is a good way to sort of temper expectations and things like that. Whatever your favorite thing is, it is someone else's least favorite thing. Yep. Yeah, and that's just. That's just humanity, baby. Oh, it <laughs> That's is. Just how it it works. is. You just need to mingle with the people that don't get annoyed at the things that you like to do, or whatever. Yeah, that's right. You know, don't lock yourself into an echo chamber, but find people that open discussion and have yeah. interesting viewpoints about it. Find people who like the the things that you do in different ways than you do. Yes. Yeah, I think and I mean. That's an interesting way to go about it, yeah. and it's, I think, probably the most valuable, because you might say, oh, I really liked this character, and they'll, and they'll say, why do you say, why do you like that character? And you'll say, why? And they'll say, really? I didn't like that about them, but I, what, they, yeah. what I did like was this about them. Yeah. And I also think it's good to be around people that challenge you in the right ways. Like, don't mm. be around someone who does something that you really hate. Yeah. <laughs> but be, like, if they read similar books to you, but have totally different opinions about them, you have that conversation about it, and be yeah. like... Okay, why didn't you like this bit? Because right. I liked it because of this. And they're like, oh, I didn't even think of it from that point yeah, of view. I right. f- took it from this point of view. Because very often with reviews, when at the outset, most people say, oh, I didn't like this because of this. And you'll hear it and you, you'll go, oh, but there's going to be something that they've missed mm. out. They haven't realized that they've done it, but yep. our listeners will always be missing some kind of context, yep. some kind of. And well, as soon as they start, experience. this is why I say. Imagine people complexly, right? Yeah. You know, you hear someone say something, always just assume there's something else that's going on. And yeah, personal experience makes you look at things completely differently to somebody else because their personal experience would have them looking at it from a different angle. And they haven't experienced it. They may not have experienced it at all, let alone from Mm. the same perspective as you. Randomly enough. No, I think last time my brother was here or the time before, when we're talking about like, you know, childhood memories. Mm -hmm. It is interesting how different our stories of the same event, or our oh, memories of the same event are. Yeah. And he'll sit there and be like, oh, that didn't happen. And in his mind, he's right because he's older, so his memory's better. <laughs> right. And in my mind, it's like, just because you don't remember it how I remember it doesn't mean I'm wrong. That's right, yeah. I mean, I might be wrong, but <laughs> it doesn't mean I necessarily am. Maybe I'm just remembering a bit you don't remember, mm-hmm. or 
I'm coming at it from, you know, a two years younger than you female's point of view. Yeah, that's right. So I just found it interesting that I was just instantly wrong because I was younger. Yeah, basically, my memory's better. Yeah, I always, my sister and I would fight because of that reason every now and then. Yeah. Where I I would say, yeah, this is how it happened. And she'd be like, no. She'd get really upset with me. And I'd be like, no, this is, I'm pretty sure this is what happened. And then... It, it would go either way. It was like a 50-50 split. Yeah. Mum or dad would come in and be like, no, this is actually yeah. how it happened. Someone was going to go home upset. Mum, <laughs> That's just how yeah. it works. Mum tried to correct some of my memories once because I remember, so I was five when my granddad and my papa both died. Right. And so I would get them, I didn't know this, but apparently I muddled up what they did in my memory. And I oh. would say one day, I said, oh, granddad did this. And mum's like, no, he didn't. And I said, yeah, yeah, he did. And I was like, no, 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 that, that was definitely Papa. And I ended up telling her once, I was just like, can you just leave my little kid memories how they are? Aww. I don't need you correcting them, even though I might be wrong. Mm. I was five or younger. Like, right. my brain's allowed to muddle them. But I think she got quite upset because I thought one of them was meaner than the other one. And I had it round the wrong way uh, for which was the mean one. Right. Yeah. Well, not mean. He just, he was of that age and era where little kids should be seen and not heard and i was right. very much a let's hear jill person uh-huh. yeah <laughs> didn't like to be too quiet i made my presence known and i think he got a little sick of it but yeah yeah that that whole seen and not heard thing always really sparked me the wrong way yeah that and the do as i say not as i do that yeah. there's the odd thing where i think that's valid like when parents can do something that you can't because you're too young. That's right. But in general, you know, just that because you is, see me driving a car, when I tell you yeah. don't jump in the car and push the gas pedal, yeah, yeah, do as I say. But a lot of the time, that just used to piss me off. A, as a, lo- kid. a lot of it, a lot of it is used as a very. I think we've talked about this before, where you know you get you get told off or you get asked a question and you answer, but it's not the answer that the parent wanted. Yeah. So they say, don't talk back. Yeah. So, well, do you want me to answer your question or not? Or like if you, because I am a big one for asking questions to clarify something. Right, yeah. And if my parents or teachers thought that I asked me a very obvious question and I then asked a question to clarify, yeah. that just tell me I was mouthing off. And it's like, in my head, it actually needs clarification right. before I can answer it because yeah. I think it's too broad to answer. Mm. And that used to frustrate me. It's like, just like take a deep breath. I'm yeah. young. I mean, I didn't think like that when I was young. I just got really shitty. Yeah. But now that I'm older, <laughs> I think... Because we didn't know how to manage our yeah. emotions when yeah. we are small children. Yeah, but... Or a teenager. <laughs> although, as it, as it turns out, neither do some teachers. <laughs> no, neither some And these some are some 40, 50-year-old... Yeah, a lot of adults just don't know how to manage their own emotions. Or kids. They think kids or, should act a certain way. Because that's, right. that's how it will make their day go smoothly. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. When you're in any kind of public sector, you know, retail or whatever, you're... Your perspective should not be, how can I get out of this situation? No. You're in the wrong profession. You if are. that's what you're... I mean, I get the, or, well, I guess the odd the moment wrong, when You could be in the wrong could. workplace. Like, you could be at a school that's just not... That's yeah. not the right school for you. You, know, I mean, you need to be at a different school, yeah. different store, different whatever. There's been the odd time where the phone at work has rang with, like, three minutes till you get to go home. Mm-hmm. And chances are... At that time, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be just, can you reset my password? 
And I mean, most of the time I'm happy to pick up the phone, risk it, see what happens. The odd time when I've got somewhere I need to be, it's like, oh, I don't want to pick it up. <laughs> but you've got to. I mean, you work till yeah. that time. You can't just go, it's three minutes till I'm not going to answer my phone. We've gone into very rambly territory here. <laughs> wow. We've gone, I kind of forgot what we were. Can you guess how much info we've got for the day? Well, I finished, actually, I read two books last, well, finished two books oh, yeah? last week. I finished the Wilbur Smith one. Help me with them. Don't actually. I mean, I've got like, Wilbur just, Smith in here. He's a hardback, so no, it might so, hurt. Wilbur, down. Thank <laughs> you. Interestingly enough, you know how we're talking about if your reviews get to the writer? Right. Now, I know Wilbur Smith started writing in the 80s, mm-hmm. so this is before the internet. He actually had pen pals with some of his more long-term fans. He was saying he mentioned a couple of them in the book towards the end that he was quite gutted to hear when they died and, like, their wives had written to him and said, and he'd had, like, pen pal writing with them every time he released a book. They'd write to him and he'd write back. That's really nice. So nice. And he said one of them wrote to him, I think he was turning 90 and said that his eyesight was going and he couldn't read Mm -hmm. Wilbur Smith's books anymore. And the letter actually said something along the lines of, this relationship's going to have to end because I can't read you anymore. Right. And in response, Wilbur Smith sent his new book, which was, the first book of his to be published in large print to his friend oh, so his friend could read it. lovely. So that was really cute. That's really good. I liked that. I mean, he had his critics, obviously. That's, he didn't like I him. wonder if that still happens. I, I, because these sorts of things, you only really hear about that after the person has died or if it's been I, a long, long like, time. I know some authors do write back. So I wrote, I cannot tell you why I wrote to this author, but I loved her first book so much. I've got, all five that she's written. Mm-hmm. Um, still waiting for the six, but I'm not sure it's ever going to come out. Anyway, I wrote to her. I'm pretty sure I wrote her an email just saying, oh, my God, thank you for writing that book. It was amazing, right. blah, 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 blah. Like early 20 Jill writing this rave fangirl mm. obsessed letter. <laughs> um, she wrote me back like a proper handwritten letter oh. and said, thank you. I didn't know I had fans in New Zealand. It's great. To know I do. And I was just like, I was blown away. I got this random letter from America when I was at uni. And I was yep. just like, what's this? And I opened it. And Honestly, that seems God. like a common response because we are quite small down in the corner yeah. of, the, of the Atlantic. Or the and Pacific. I mean, to be fair, her, I didn't buy her books in New Zealand. I had to buy them from America and get them shipped over right. because they weren't in bookshops here. Yeah. But and I... I I honestly have no idea what made me pick up her first book because I had to buy it off Amazon. So it's not like I read it at a library or anything. <laughs> No idea. Anyway, it well, was now, great. Well, now you've got, you don't need to do that anymore because you can contact your friends down uh, at Ordinary no, Books and say, hey, I'm looking Just for this book. I, so I, I did that um, mid Do we sound like sellouts yet? <laughs> so this, this is when you get super excited about a book. And so, okay, so I found out that my author, one of the authors I recently got into mm-hmm. was releasing her second book mm-hmm. so that day i contacted wardini books and asked for them to order it right. at the same time i entered an international competition to win the book five oh. to be one right thinking oh fuck i don't have any oh. the wardini book came in at the same time i got the email saying i'd won no. a signed copy so i had two <laughs> copies of the book. only what but what of them signed that's cool and i was just like oh how like this doesn't happen ever <laughs> like I contacted Wardini assuming that was the quickest way to get a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they both actually turned up at the Turns same time. Turns out they were both equally as fast. Yes. Entering a competition. <laughs> like, 
an international one and I couldn't even get as many entries as most people because I don't have Facebook so I couldn't enter right. with the oh, Facebook so it was one of those things where you have to like this page and yeah and, and I literally this. did that put my name on her website and that's it and my one entry yep and I was like, you could get 20 maximum. And I couldn't because I was already on her mailing list. I was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I can't do any of the social media stuff. Right. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> but yeah, that was cool. One of the I, um, Infinite Black, the people who do my, I say who do my dice. They're <laughs> a company just like any other. I buy from them. Yeah. I don't, you know. They don't. But they supply you with dice. They, yeah, I buy dice from, from them. I back their Kickstarters and all that yep. sort of stuff. Full disclosure, I am a mod on their Discord server. Um, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I'm trying to get away with some <laughs> bull here. Um, but they've had a whole bunch of competitions. And so far, I haven't won one. I normally so don't far. win um, I think they've had five. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of it's kind of neat because the um, because of my, I guess, the most broad, non-arrogant way to put it is that my behavior attracted their attention. And they Ooh. said, hey... Do you want to be a, a yeah. modern Discord server? My, um, so it's, it's been it's been really really cool. It's kind of neat to just be like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" Like yeah. direct line to them yeah. instead of putting it in out into the void. I can and just hoping someone we've got our own it. little channel that I can just be like, "Hey, how's it going?" Nice. <laughs> My friend who reads an awful lot, like so much. I don't even think it was physically possible to read this much and work mm. full time, but apparently it is. She is an admin on Goodreads because she's on there so much that they right. invited her to do oh, admin, cool. which is really useful because I read either early this year or last year, I read a book that's not on mm. Goodreads. Mm-hmm. And so she could edit for me and just send her a picture of the cover because mm. you also couldn't find the cover online. Right. Um, books, New Zealand books from the 90s <laughs> didn't make worldwide sensations. And so yeah, she edited it on. I emailed her the blurb and all of that. So that was really cool. I could wow. edit to my read total which meant it made it onto my tally for the year. How is your fan fiction reading going? It's pretty good. Because so, it's been a few weeks since uh, uh, I gave you those new ones. These like the yeah. Pride and Prejudice ones. Did you so get So I read those? those and I've saved Shades of Pemberley as a favourite because it was, oh, oh my God, it was brilliant. Well, so I, c- I can't remember who posted that one, but I'll find out and I will tag them when this yes. episode goes up. I that- loved the ending so much. <laughs> So Shades of so Pemberley, good. big hit. Big hit. Um, one of them I didn't finish. Not a bad story, just not a writing style that I associated, right. yep. like identified well with, which happens with normal books oh, as yeah. well. Um, and I found there was another one and I think I read it and it was all good. Um, but yeah, Shades of Pemberley, definitely a big tick. It's awesome. Yeah. And I found a few others that I want to read, but they're like, like 15, 20 chapters. Are they so also Pride it. and Prejudice ones? No, you seem I... really keen on those. I was. I did about a week at worth on Pride and Prejudice. Wow. Um, in between actual work, guys, I do actually work, <laughs> just so you know. Um, it's just where I'm at is a bit quiet at the moment because we're closing for Christmas. Oh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's not as much on until we get back. Right. Um, but I'm on Robin Hood, the BBC Version. Oh, cool. So there's some where Guy Gisbert and Robin Hood obviously mm-hmm. are a thing, which should be. Um, there's one with Kate and Maid Marian. Oh, It's a bunch cool. that I've read, like just different pairings that you wouldn't expect. I enjoyed the Kate trying to be the Night Watchman one. Mm-hmm. She didn't do so great. It was awesome. I do love Kate. She's one of my favorite characters. Sweet. Um, I just, yeah, there's just like dabbling in that world. 
and go back to Veronica Mars every so often. <laughs> you love, love Veronica, Veronica Mars. That's awesome. Oh, I did find some good like me and good omen mixes. Oh Ooh. my no, the good place. The good place, the good place. and good omens combined. Fucking amazing. Wow. The Put, like, so they put them together. Yeah, in fan fiction. And it Ooh. just it blew my mind and it had me in trance. Is it called the Omen Place? No, it's not. The good the good the good omen place? <laughs> I the place know. of omens. The place of omens. But no, it was really, really good. I like that combo. Didn't see it coming, but now that I have The magic of fan fiction. I know. For anyone listening. There you go. It exists. Go well, read just it. Just like and like, often I will go on and I'll just look at the new stuff because I know there's probably like categories or shows I'm not right. even thinking about. Mm-hmm. And sometimes one will come up as like, oh, I'm going to like this yeah. without even like having looked for it because I wouldn't have thought to look are, for are it. Are there any particular tags that you've found yourself attracted to the most? I don't think so do do you go by the blurb or the titles of these i tend to go by the blurb if the blurb's really long i bypass it because i'm not a big reader of descriptions right which sounds weird for someone that loves to read (laughs) Um, and if it's too many chapters i don't read it at work because then i get too engrossed yeah um one of the most bizarre ones i've read which made me laugh. And I lit- I clicked on it because I was like, no one's written a fan fiction for this, is it? Is You know that nursery rhyme about the kittens that have lost their mittens? Yeah. Someone wrote fanfic about that. You're kidding. Not. It was actually surprisingly funny <laughs> and good. <laughs> fan fiction about nursery yeah. rhymes? Okay. Well, Didn't, was like, it the only one or were there more? Ah, uh, it was the only one I think for the kittens that lost their mittens. But there's other nursery rhyme fan fiction. Oh my god! You should look up Jack and Jill at some point. You know, I bet there's some fan fiction for Peter Rabbit. Oh, there's got to be a bunch. For I Peter bet Rabbit. The, you know, the <laughs> fan fiction about Jeremy Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's fan fiction for everything. Yeah. Like for sports. Even for the kittens who lost yeah. their mittens. I liked the author's take on it. I oh. really did. I wouldn't be able to explain it very well because, I mean, I enjoyed it, but my head was still trying to wrap my head around the concept. Was this? But I would recommend that. So this was on AO3? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I can't even remember how I found it. It just randomly turned up from something else I'd read. Right. I really need to do some more writing on my I was going to ask, how is your writing going? I have not written a thing. <laughs> a thing? I've been like, ri- not written a thing at all or not I since a certain I point? I haven't written a thing. Luke. Uh, I've posted a couple of snippets on the Dark Lena server. Um, yep. Both times I got really positive Yay. feedback. Um, one person reacted very, um, what's the term? Not violently, but very aggressively positively. Yay. <laughs> where they, I think their message was just, I need more of this. I like, so they were really, really excited yeah. by the premise. And so so I, cool. Reading the comments on AO3, I do think the comments and the feedback duties tend to be quite positive and i think that's good it's like yeah i mean if you don't like it don't rate it read it don't leave kudos don't leave a comment it's fine community where it's like hey this is art yeah art subjective you know if constructive criticism i hope that there is some of that in there where you know it's positive like hey you know i would have preferred this or this could have been done there's been the odd one where someone's been like have you thought about 
Right. And then it's like, yep. that's a great jumping point of an yeah, idea that you right. could feel like they're touching on but didn't know how to get to. Because even if they don't respond to it, the author might see it and go, hmm, I'll make a note yeah. of that. And then the next one. Maybe the next chapter would have yeah. uh, that thing in it. Yeah. So uh, and you can always, I'm pretty sure you can go back and edit yes, I think posted you can. stuff. That would be kind of weird if you couldn't. I think you can. So speaking of writing and debut stories and things like that, um, we've got some sci-fi and fantasy releases Ooh. being talked about, so I knew that would interest you because it very heavily interested me. Um, from Literary Hub's Bookmarks book review section, we have something that I and perhaps you will have an interest in, which is these new sci-fi and fantasy book releases. Yep. Uh, the reviews are provided by Leah Schnellback. Uh, well I, done. It's probably wrong. I'm sorry, Leah. Uh, who is a staff writer for Tor.com, uh, fiction editor for No Tokens, an associate prose editor for Fairy Tale Review, uh, fiction appearing in Joyland, Volume 1 Brooklyn, Madcap Review, and The Boiler. She has critique appearing in Tin House Online, The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy podcast, which sounds like a lot of fun. It does sound. And Electric Literature, with her work also appearing in Speculative Fiction 2015 and Rocket Fuel, some of the best of Tor non-fiction. So if you want to thank her for her work, like we thank you, Leah, for these reviews, so we have something to talk about here on the show. Thank you. You can, you can reach her on Twitter, at symbol, at symbol cloudy underscore vision. It's a good title. Cloudy Vision. Cloudy yeah. Vision. Because I've read so many books that my vision has gone cloudy. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the first one uh, Leah writes about is This Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno. What is This Thing Between Us? Uh, well, it entirely um, has this written. I This is whole, whole cloth. Yep. I haven't put any of my own commentary Some, in sometimes here. Sometimes with reviews, you've got to just That's read right. exactly how they're written. And, you know, we, we, can, we can talk about um, each of these things after we've sort yep. of gone over it. <clears throat> Itza, I-T-Z-A, seemed like a good idea at the time. Tiago's wife, Vera, suggested they buy the world's most advanced smart speaker. So I'm assuming that Itza is basically like Alexa. To make their lives easier, maybe it would lighten the mood a little in their condo, which always seemed to feel a little eerie. Instead, it's a played unsettling music in the middle of the night. A technical glitch. Then their home began to host cold spots and inexplicable noises in the walls. Those had rational explanations, right? But why were there weird packages showing up at their door with no record of who ordered them? Even so, anything could be turned into an amusing anecdote until Vera was killed. Lost in a haze of grief, Tiago has to deal with people politicising his wife's death. Yeah, that would that would be difficult uh -huh. to deal with. Uh, the messages from friends who want to help but can't understand. And then one night he realises he can hear Itza talking to someone in the empty living room. He packs and leaves for a remote cabin, a haven to hide in and mourn. But he soon understands that whatever made life back home increasingly unbearable has no intention of letting him go so easily. Now, is it Itza? I know we're going to have to read it, but is it Itza that's the problem or the person or thing Itza is talking to? Who knows? Imagine that, like... Because that sound, this, I mean, this sounds like a ghost story. It does. Mixed with its, um, technology. With technology, this which I really say, like. That. Imagine having Alexa or something like Alexa mm. and a ghost in your house can order shit off it. Or is it a ghost? Ooh. Yeah. Is it just the technology? Is it an AI? Is it a sentient AI? I hope it orders me pizza if I get one like that. 
All my favorite. Well, you can pizzas. order whatever you want as long as you give me a hell pizza yeah, every give evening. Give me a hell pizza. You pay for delivery because right. I can't be bothered. That's right. You pay, you pay for it. It's a I you know Amazon owns you and they're a billion dollar yeah. company. So that's fine. Amazon can pay for my pizza. It can also shout my garlic bread. I mean, oh, be polite. Garlic bread. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love the oh I love the hell beer battered onion rings. My brother sent me a text in the weekend because he got hell pizza and he said that the gluten-free, dairy-free garlic bread is better than the normal garlic <gasps> bread if you like crunchy garlic bread. Oh, I like crunchy garlic and bread. And he said it's worth the extra $2. And I was just like, mm. ha I know it's not me that made it, but it's nice to know that what I can eat is the better option. <clears throat> yeah, well, when uh, when we first had uh Hell, shortly after we first met, you were like, Hey, let's watch Musketeers yeah. and get some hell pizza. And you said, Oh, yeah, the gluten free seeded base, you know, it's gluten yeah. free. I had to, you know, have that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll try that. Yeah. yeah. Gluten free seeded base is better than the normal base. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like, I actually really like it because oh. now, whenever I go places and they're like, Oh, we'll get you a pizza, they're not like, But you have to have the mini one only to right. you. They're like, yeah. As long as you don't mind us all sharing, we'll all get gluten free. Yeah, and I'm like, That's, that's right. fine by me. Yeah. And I just. It annoys me, but also makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you have an option. People with celiac have that option. And then, you know, we can have a really yeah. nice, tasty alternative as well. Yeah. I just like it when we actually get something that's edible. And yes. it's not a ranking on the cardboard. Like cardboard or, yeah. <laughs> the cardboard scale, as my old workmate called it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the the next book that um, Leah writes about is A Marvelous Light by Freya Marsk. Uh, M A R S K E. I love the name Freya. It's one of my favourite names. Name. Uh, I want to get a cat and name, name it, it Freya. Freya. Mm. Uh, this is book number one in uh, Freya's debut. Actually, Ooh. I found um, the last binding historical fantasy series. Uh, it is. It's been described as red, white, and royal blue meets Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell. And if you've read, I, I know about the latter. It's very historical fiction. It's yeah. set in, I believe, London mm-hmm. in, I think, like 1890s, something like that. Uh, I'm probably totally way off, and there's some Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell fans who are <laughs> screaming across the void to me. Uh, where Mr. Norrell, I think it's Mr. Norrell, he's like a. Um, in D&D terms, he's a wizard. He's oh, yeah. studied spell books and things, and he can make things happen via scrolls and scripts and things. Whereas Jonathan Strange is like a sorcerer. He can just kind of do magic yeah. just innately. Yeah. And so it's this kind of dichotomy. Jonathan Strange is very, very young. Mr. Norell is quite old. And Norell is annoyed that Jonathan Strange has, he's got like these playing cards that have spells on them and he can just cast them. And Norell is like, I studied for years to have me able to do this. It would actually be quite annoying. It would. Yeah. <laughs> the sorcerers are the kids in the classroom who cheat on the tests and never get caught. <laughs> yep. Whereas yep. The, the wizards are like Miss Norell. They're Ms. the ones Norell's. that try and I, I they tried learn. I and I studied and I learned it. I memorized all yep. this stuff. Oh, it's so neat. So says the review from Bookmarks, Robin Blythe lives in reality. He tries to uphold his roles in society. Elder brother, upstanding citizen, baronet who will repair the damage done by his profligate parents. It's a rather banal reality, but it's all Robin knows. Until, because of a clerical error, I think you're going to like this, Robin is appointed civil service liaison to magical society. 
Which means, one, magic is real, two, Robin has to liaise with it, and three, the last man in this job disappeared under mysterious circumstances. There's also a curse and horrific prophecies, and worst of all, Edwin Corsi, Robin's stuffy co-worker who openly loathes him. But before you can say magical meet-cute, the two men discover a deadly plot that they can only thwart together, and they might just find a few hidden depths in each other along the way. And I think this is the one that another of you marked as, like, superbly queer. Yeah. It's a it's an LGBTQ plus oh, like friendly yeah, story. Yeah, I figured that by the meet cute with yep. the two men workers. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it was the second one. Yep. So that's A Mysterious Light by Freya Marsk. Marske. Sounds very cool. Uh, and it's debut story. Yeah, um, we love Davey Which is cool. The Last Binding historical fantasy series. You can probably find the book at Wardini or they'll order it for you. I'm sure they will. <laughs> magical Meat Cute. Who doesn't find that so appealing? I want to I wanna read about a magical meat cute. I knew you'd like it. I love meat cute. <laughs> so the next one, I'm quite excited by this one because we, you know, we've talked about a little bit of sci-fi and then fantasy. We're back mm-hmm. to sci-fi here. Termination Shock by Neil Stevenson. Mm-hmm. So if you like the Neils, there's Neil Gaiman, there's Neil Stevenson. They are both titans in their craft. Okay. I've Neil's, never heard of Neil Stevenson. So Neil Stevenson is the one who brought us works like the seminal Snow Crash, uh, featuring the absurdly named hero protagonist as the protagonist. You get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, of course it's spelled H-I-R-O, hero protagonist. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Neo. So he also brought us The Diamond Age, or A Young Lady's Illustrated Primer. Really cool story. Um, it's the thing, I couldn't believe it. The, only the latter of which I've read, I haven't read Snow Crash. Neil writes cyberpunk sci-fi stuff, so if you like that genre, try it. The yep. Diamond Age is so funny because it introduces... Um, how do people describe his his themes? Like a narco capitalist, okay. like it's got that cyberpunk to yeah. it, and very often there's some kind of a narco stuff going on where it's like a capitalist, the capitalist society turned up to eleven yeah. situation, you know, proper cyberpunk. But in the Diamond Age, I lost my mind. I couldn't stop laughing for ages, and I still laugh about it now. I can't call KFC KFC anymore because <laughs> in this story, you know, it's taking everything up to eleven. Yep. KFC is now regarded as like a luxury <laughs> dining place, and it's known as the House of the Inscrutable Colonel. Oh no way! <laughs> Because it's, you know, the seven herbs and spices yeah. who no one knows what they are. It's the house of the inscrutable colonel. Oh, it's so cool. I like it's, it. Because you've got, like, uh, I think they're either Japanese or Chinese businessmen. Yeah. These scenes where they're meeting together. And they go, oh, shall we go to the house of the inscrutable colonel? They go and have their business meetings at a KFC. I wonder if when it's the house of the inscrutable colonel. It's so funny. I wonder funny. if the smell still permeates yeah. so far. Yeah, but, oh, it's so great. And I told someone about that, um, my friend Rob, who did that um, that short um, that short story collection oh, that I yes. promoted a little while yeah. ago. I told him about it because he's heavily into cyberpunk. And I told him, and he also just lost it. Yeah. He thought it was so funny. <clears throat> so says the review of Termination Shock. Uh, a Texas oil billionaire has cooked up a plan to shoot sulfur into the sky to slam the brakes on the Earth's rising temperatures. And that's just the opener. In order to put his plan in motion, TR, that's all it's, he's described as, 
which I imagine might be because you've got the character in Snow Crash hero protagonist. I feel like TR, because it's a Texas oil billionaire, I feel like his name in the story is Texas Ranger or something. Like a really stupid, absurd... Anyway, TR gathers allies from around the globe, including the Queen of the Netherlands, Friedrike Mathilde Louisa Saskia, who is soon entangled with a complicated cowboy, Rufus Red Grant. As these three larger-than-life people orbit each other, the world's governments and tech giants desperately jockey for influence, interstate secrets, and anything else that might ensure that the sulfur launch sites work in their favour, rather than dooming their countries and allies to even worse effects of the collapse. And behind all of them, an Indian social media star named Lax concocts a uh, a plan to sabotage TR, convinced that human meddling can only make things worse. But will his schemes trigger the termination shock that could doom humanity? Yes. So if you want some sci-fi, cyberpunk, crazy, ridiculous stuff mixed in with climate change and cowboys... (laughs) I love it. Then termination shock by Neil Stevenson might be what you want to go for. Sweet. So the next one on this list is Leviathan Falls by James S.A. Corey. Uh, Have you heard of The Expanse? Yeah. It is the final book in that series. I haven't read that series yet, but it's on my list. So the the review does make sure to mention The Expanse, which is um, one of the biggest sci-fi series of the modern era. It's like a big, Mm. it's a big deal. Uh, which has an Amazon Prime adaptation, so that's where you can find it. Uh, but now with Leviathan Falls, the book series of the Expanse series comes to an end. For those of you who have read the series up till now, this is it. So says the review, of course, spoilers for anyone who hasn't read the previous books. So I don't know if you want to hear this. Go for it. It'll be a while before I read it. Uh, after the fall of the Laconian Empire, Alvi Okoye is continuing her mission to study the dead systems, the systems that humans can reach by interstellar ring gates, but which, for mysterious reasons, are devoid of life, silent and abandoned, while Colonel Aliana Tanaka is trying to track down the former emperor's missing daughter. But soon a far more dangerous threat appears, an alien force that threatens to sweep in and destroy humanity as we know it. The crew of the Rocanante may have found a way to fight, but it will mean uniting people from every corner of the system, and that may prove even more impossible than fighting aliens. Yeah, I think it would. It would. (laughs) We explored this, I I don't think you've played it, but in Mass Effect 3 you learn just how difficult that is. Yeah. Uh, Because that's kind of your job in that game. So that sounds pretty cool. Be interesting to see how the author goes about uniting them. Yeah, I I really want to watch The Expanse, but I think I talked about this before, I'm really bad at watching stuff because I sit down to watch it and I'm sitting there and I want to do something else. You know, I'm not bored i just want to keep myself occupied but I, then i want to focus on the thing yeah. that i'm watching see i listen to a lot which sounds weird like i'll put it on and i'll be watching i'm watching true blood true blood again at the ah. moment and my watching is putting it on doing some crochet and looking up every so often because right. i know the characters in my head well enough and i know their yeah. voices and that's my preferred way of watching right but it doesn't work on a new show because you don't like, you need to the watch visuals, a new show. Yeah. You need the visuals. Especially with a sci-fi show. Sci-fi yeah. is a great genre because, it, and fantasy, it allows yeah. you to see things that aren't in normal reality. 
Sometimes, though, watching is not as good as reading because they, whoever's created the show or the movie, has imagined stuff so different yeah, to what you. Right. It doesn't make sense, or you yeah, think, no, or you think no, right no, 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 that's not how I picture where they live, and then you get really annoyed. <laughs> it's the problem with with Dune, where you're, you know, the advice is that you watch the film first, this new film first, and then yes. you read the book. But, of course, when you're reading the book, you are now picturing all of those actors and That's actresses thing, as those people. That I'm torn between, like, I know so many people say, oh, you watch it first because then you're not disappointed. And it's like, yeah, but then you can't create the place yeah. and you can't I, create I the characters. It might be just what you value. Are, you know, are you okay with being disappointed that, oh, my favorite bit from the book See, wasn't I, the film? I usually go in expecting to be disappointed and I'm just stoked when I come out and I'm not. It's why... You know, I'm I'm excited for Dune because it's a sci-fi film. It's a big budget yeah. sci-fi film. I'm not excited because it's Dune because adaptations are historically yeah. awful. I see. I'll go watch Dune first, but that's only because it will probably be quite a while before reading it yeah. comes up yeah, yeah, on yeah. my list of reading, and so yeah. I will have forgotten enough bits about it that it should be alright. Yeah. Um, so this next book, uh, The Veiled Throne by Ken Liu. Sounds good. Yeah, it is the third book of Ken's award-winning Dandelion Dynasty series, where he has won Nebula, Hugo, and World Fantasy Awards for his writing. Anything with Dynasty or Dynasty in the title. I don't know why me. I say it Dynasty now. I used to say Dynasty, but now I say Dynasty. Maybe someone corrected you. Maybe. I don't, maybe I corrected myself and my maybe. brain has just made a switch over. It's, it's one of those words like dance that I usually say twice. I say dance and then dance, dance. because I can't remember which one's the Kiwi way of saying it. <laughs> dance doesn't feel right to me. So in my mind, I say it twice and then I go back to the first one. So it's normally three times. Oh, would you like to dance? <laughs> Uh, says the review, spoiler warnings once again, this is the third book after all. Princess Thera has chosen battle. She's left the throne to her brother and begun a journey to the land of Ukugonde to wage war with the, Li- with the Liuku. Her warships are mighty, her army counts 10,000 soldiers, and she Ooh. defeated the mythic Wall of Storms. See, now I want to read the previous books <laughs> to find out what is the Wall of Storms. This is good writing. This is really good writing. You know... In in terms of when you're writing something, you know, lore versus writing, you want to put lore in front of your audience. I was about to say players because th- I always think of D&D in front of your audience because the only way to make people care about your world is to put something interesting in that world in front yeah. of them. So when it says Wall of Storms, I don't know what it is, but I want to. Yeah, it's one of those <laughs> things that your brain goes... You read it and you go, oh, can, can I live not knowing what this is? No, right. I probably you can't. Know, it's whenever there's something like capital T, the something, you're like, yeah. ooh, what was, what that? was that? You know, the, the collapse. It's like, well, what happened in the collapse? Yeah, what sort of collapse? So uh, she defeated the mythic Wall of Storms all in a bid to win her people historic strength. But can her ingenuity help her slip, past, slip the past and gain a new future? Meanwhile, the heads of the Liuku and the remnants of the Dandelion Court fight it out in a subtler fashion, forging alliances and, ri- and I was about to say rivalries, rivalries in an unending jockeying for status. And far from the blaze of the court, the common people begin to make their own plans. If their leaders are going to forget them, it will come down to them to unite and build their own future, whether the royalty of the empire approves or not. So, is this a series or a trilogy? I don't know. 
if it's a trilogy or a series. It didn't say it was the final book. It said it was no. the third book in the series. So I would say that it's not the not a trilogy then. Yeah. Because I was thinking that synopsis leaves it wide open for there to be more books. I know yeah. it's just the blurb on the back yeah. or the review, but it still leaves it, mm. which is good. So that's that's about all the time we have. It is. Because of the talk about Dune and because we're probably going to see it in between the, these next uh, couple of episodes, I'll leave you with the litany against fear from the book itself. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fe- when the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. I like it. And that's us from A Study in Literacy. I've been Luke. I'm still Jill. Imagine people complexly. Go see Dune. Let us know what you think about it. Yeah, just have some fun. People smile. It's good for you. Take care. Bye. This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.